I have been super busy. Jeremy. That's a good thing. Why is that a bad thing? It is a good thing, and that's why I'm at the office on Labor Day. Yeah, it's Labor Day. You should be at the beach or the pool or whatever you have in Las Vegas that resembles a beach. But I've been super busy, and then next week there's a prop tech conference in Las Vegas, and I have to go there to interview people. Very and- nice. What do you do to get your name out there to network as a young person? What do you do to network? In terms of commercial real estate industry or community involvement, in don't you think it's all together? Yes, I agree. You think your commercial real estate involvement helps your community involvement. Your community involvement helps your commercial real estate involvement. Can you hear me right now? Because I have one more question. Yes. Can anybody hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Do you have your mic handy? I think the audio will sound better when you have your mic. So look, if you're one day, you'll end up going out on your own, hopefully, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't you think it's good that you'll know all these political types and you know, these are the people who you're going to need one day to approve your deals, hopefully? Yes, I know, especially in real estate development. Everything. I could yeah. tell you there's stuff going on here that, you know, I mean, people don't understand it, but I look at it and I say, mm-hmm. I, I'm looking at the politics, I'm looking at the real estate and I'm looking at the politics. And I'm saying, this is what's going on. Nobody else sees this, unfortunately, which is really unfortunate because I think that certain people are making certain promises to many people that are not correct. Mm -hmm. I think that certain people in government and in politics Mm -hmm. have, have opinions that I view as significantly misguided. First of all, welcome to the podcast again, Jeremy. We haven't catch up for two, almost three months now. So I have been super busy. I've been, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've been following you. You might not know what I'm doing, but I'm boring. I, I've what? been following you very closely. Because Jeremy, you never post anything on your Instagram story. Instagram if you're not at if, if you're social not active media. on social media, how am I supposed to know what you're doing if don't you don't know, post ask. about it? I don't know, ask, but I follow you. I, I read. I, I read the articles that you put out. I've been oh, seeing you've been, you. you've been all all over the world. You've been at various meetings. You've been doing this. You've been doing that. You've been traveling the world. I've been, you know, working on my tan. Well, so remember how we started off the recording by like all of the things that I have been working on, and mm-hmm. this upcoming Friday, I have been working with. The American Institute of Architects, Las Vegas chapter. They're How women did you in, meet them? Well, there are a lot of events locally hosted mm-hmm. by architects or commercial real estate associations. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just word of a mouth. My friend told me that, oh, have you heard of AIA? You know, and by the way, this is the reason I ask is because this is something that everybody listening should be taking notes on. Like this is networking. This is how you get places in life. Yeah. And speaking with the friends in our industry, they know a lot of these associations or events. So I went to their event and I really like their organization because for a lot of the other commercial real estate associations I'm in, a lot of them are developers, like development or investment sales focused. So Most, very, mostly probably investment sales focused. Except for URI, which is more development focused. 
Yeah, but there's still you know, the problem is is well, not the problem. This is not a problem at all. But the, all of these groups, there's a huge contingent of developer, uh, not developers of, the bro- of brokers. brokers. Yep, yep. And, and yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Brokers are great. We rely on them to do everything. But at some point, there are 20 brokers chasing one deal. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, somebody's trying to network. Somebody's trying to meet people. Brokers mm-hmm. are an excellent resource, but at times it's just like overwhelming. Well, I'm a broker. I do this. I do that. And every broker's got their own little niche. Mm-hmm. And somebody who's not a broker and does not own property, you know, at times I'm like, you know, how many brokers are there in this world? Well, let me finish my story. But I love AIA because majority of their memberships are architects. And I really like architects because the way they think is very creative and it's very different from the typical brokers or bankers. That's absolutely you know, correct. The the people that we see in our industry. So, and and then it's interesting how I have the finance and development like mindset, and then I try to communicate with them like. I love them, but at the same time, sometimes I'm like, guys, we really need to get stuff done. We just cannot spend hours on details, like the color of the graphic, things like that. And then we need to- Oh yeah, but, the, we got, but then to- you, you got to remember, they're artists. Yeah, and, they are, they are. And and their art, rather than being on a wall, is yeah. a building. And yeah. they'll drive you crazy because it's, and this is, by the way, what you'll see as you get further on in your career. You'll come in there and you'll be the developer and say, okay, this is what I need. They'll, they'll come back with, with a, a beautiful masterpiece. And you'll say, this is just not going to happen. Like, what planet are you guys on? This is just not, this is not possible. Let, let's get real here. Yeah. So I'm hosting this symposium. I've been working with them. Oh, remember how I told you about the idea of the queens of Las Vegas, not just the kings of Las Vegas? Yes, I think you told me. Yes. So at the beginning of this year, I have been always part of this Women in Architecture Committee, even though I'm not an architect, but I am a member of AIA. So I was able to join them. And mm-hmm. I told them that, well, why how, don't how we... Many groups, how many groups are you a member of? I, I don't take no. Take notes, everybody. <laughs> well, I'm a member of AIA. Urban Land Institute, I'm on the management committee. I, I'm on the I'm a member of the Urban Land Institute as well. Yes, I'm I'm pretty active in the, the local Nevada District Council for URI. I am a member, I'm a board of director of Crew Las Vegas, Commercial Real Estate Women Association, promoting mm-hmm. and supporting and advancing women professionals in our industry. I'm a member of NAOB and CCIM. Because those I, think, two, I think I'm a member of NAOP or I was a member of NAOP. Because in the Las Vegas local area, NAOP is our biggest commercial real estate association. So anybody who's in the industry who are active, we're pretty much a member of NAOP. And then, but outside of commercial real estate, I really like the nonprofit associations and the UNLV Alumni Association, which I'm on the board for the Lee Business School Alumni Chapter. And I just started serving as first president of the AAPI Asian American Pacific Islanders Alumni Affinity Club, the first one in the history of our local university. That's great. So that is something that's outside of commercial real estate, but I really enjoy like the initiative, the mission behind it. Could you tell the listeners Mm -hmm. why you join these organizations? And look, it doesn't, nobody, it doesn't matter which one. But mm-hmm. why you join these organizations that 
seemingly do nothing for your career, get something out of it. And yeah. you just, I think that's, listen, this is probably the most important thing I've ever said on your show ever. Mm-hmm. But could you just explain to people why you believe in, in, in being involved in charity and what you get out of it and why you choose yeah. to give back and why you think that your many listeners should be doing that? Yeah. So the reason why I'm involved with a lot of these charities or events outside of the commercial real estate industry is because even though if I think of a bigger picture, a long-term vision of what Las Vegas, like the direction that Las Vegas is going, mm-hmm. there's a lot of variables and factors absolutely outside of commercial real estate that we as a commercial real estate professional should pay attention well, 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 to yeah real estate how, is depending on everything else in the world yeah right? like economic development workforce development master plan of a region and for the local university it is like the talent hub of Absolutely. where they produce Absolutely. all of these future talents entering into the workforce of Southern Nevada. And the Alumni Association, Alumni Network and Support is a huge part of part of this ecosystem of the Absolutely. university. And it it bridged the gap or it helps a lot of the local employers mm-hmm. to hire graduates from UNLV. So so, we, so the, yeah, absolutely. So the biggest problem, I think, you take a city like Boston. I'm not. I don't mm-hmm. mean to pick on Boston, but you take Boston, and you, you've got one particular school there that's probably the, one of the best schools in the world, right? How many people who you think go to Harvard stay in Boston? Many do, but it's not 50, mm-hmm. 60, 70 percent. It's probably right. 10 to 10, 15 percent, especially now. But if you if you look at places like something like Nevada. I mean, you guys, Nevada. Nevada. If you look at something like Nevada, yep. you're, you're getting a lot of people coming in, but you've got a bit, but they come from all over, but they, they all have kids. You got to build some connection mm-hmm. to the neighborhood. And mm-hmm. I think, I, I think the university is a, a huge way to do that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always good to be involved. And you look, it's your alumni association. It's also small enough that yeah. it's not gigantic. Like if right. you're a member, like, like the NYU Alumnus Association is yeah. hundreds of thousands of people. The odds of you be making an influence, I don't mean to denigrate NYU, not by any means, but the odds of you being able to be involved and get to meet mm-hmm. the president of NYU are, are comparatively low. In Nevada, it's not a smaller, na- you know, but the other thing, I, I think this is, and this comes back to real estate development, by the way, I, I've always believed this. If you look at, at Silicon Valley, that place is literally built on Stanford. Stanford is the basis for Silicon mm-hmm. Valley. It is the basis for their real, everything flowed out of Stanford. And look, I think it's important to try to give back, but it's also important to be involved and for your own good, for you want good students to come to UNLV and you want good students to stay. You don't want people, look, some, you, you, if you're a, employer or you're a kid or whatever, if you're an employer, a kid, whatever, you want there to be opportunities for you to go back to, to Nevada or for your employer, you want there to be opportunities for, for you to get people from Nevada who've, who've been from Nevada. I think that's very important. Don't want all your good kids. Like I went to Binghamton. Yeah. How many people do you think stay in Binghamton after Binghamton? I don't know. Very little. Very little, I think would be very charitable. I mean, I know of 
one or two people who stayed there for a max of three mm-hmm. to five years. They all just got what they needed to do. And then they, they left. It's not a bad thing. I, I mean, I would never yeah. fault anybody, but very few people are staying up there. Yeah. And that makes it very hard, I think, to yeah. you know, build an economy, build a, build a big city. Yeah. And Nevada is transitioning from, a ga- it's transition, transitioning from a gaming hub to a real city. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether you have seen this on my Instagram story. I'm going to start teaching as a part-time instructor at UNLV's Leeds jealous. I Real Estate. What class? Real Estate Investment in the spring semester as a part-time instructor. That's huge. Congratulations. That's Thank amazing. You. It's so, also a ton of work. but It's, you know, I think it's a lot of work. I've been working with a lot of my connections on putting the syllabus course materials together. Pause, pause, pause the recording. Sorry so, about that. We had it. I got distracted by a plane. <laughs> so the reason why I say yes to this phone call, they called me, it's because there's a lack of young blood coming into our industry. And I, and what, and what does that, and what does that mean for you as young blood in the industry? That means if I look at the people in our industry locally in Southern Nevada, we have the pioneers, the visionaries who are already retired or about to retire. And I don't, but I don't see anybody in their mid age or like the next generation after the previous generation who can lead our city. Well, that, but but the, what I was trying to get you to say was that's also a huge opportunity for somebody like you. And one yes, of the you yes. by teaching is you make yes. it into an opportunity, making yourself a thought leader, a leader. And look, I, I do not ever count the degree that you have. You have an Thank a, you. A, uh, Thank you, a, Jeremy. A, a, a I'm pretty sure our audience have heard about this. <laughs> Yeah, but and look, this goes for people who've gone to NYU Shack or Columbia or CUNY or what's the other school? The uh, other Baruch ones are has not a big one. Uh, no, Fordham <laughs> has one too. I mean, I think that ours is better, but whatever. I might be wrong. I've been wrong before. I'm usually not wrong, but it's it's, it's rare. But <laughs> well, you know, let me finish my thought, Jer- Jeremy. Yes. Two things. What it means to me. A. I say yes, because I'm already seeing the lack of young blood coming to our industry. And the way to change that is by educating college students or high school students about the career opportunities in our industry. So so being in the position of being an instructor, I get to interact with students directly. And I'm going to be a fun instructor. Not only will I teach them real estate investment, finance, Excel stuff, case studies, but I'll also bring in guest speakers locally and nationally on Zoom or in person to open their eyes to the different professions and the different kind of projects in our industry. And then the second reason why I say yes to this opportunity is because the student body, like UNLV has is probably the most, if not one of the most diverse student body in the country. So in order to us to pursue the DEI initiative in our industry and see a change in, let's say, 20, 30 years in the leadership world in our industry, who are the people that are leading our industry, the best place to start 
that initiative is students. Yeah, and I think you're right. So UNLV has a very diverse student body, but a lot of these students did not have a chance or did not have a hand to guide them into the door. I think step into the door in the, in our industry or in the right position. I, I think it's. And, I think the industry is also a very. It's starting to change. I'm not sure this is the best thing. You're moving from an entrepreneurial fa- or, or family based, which mm-hmm. there are issues with that too, to more corporate. Once you go yeah. more corporate, you know you're not getting a guy from UNLV or right. NYU Shack. You're getting an MBA from Columbia mm-hmm. who sits in his office and adds up spreadsheets. So yeah. I, I, I think that's something there. But I, I do think there is a space, a big space, hundreds mm-hmm. of millions of dollars worth of space for people who have resources, know what they're doing and yeah. start like where your company is. They're not, they're not building 80 story towers on the mm-hmm. strip. They're not building single family. They're mm-hmm. not building duplexes either. Mm-hmm. That's why I think the, the experience you're getting is great. But that, look, I think you're right. You have to start with students because the only way you'll ever get change is over time. And yeah. the people in real estate, junior jobs now are in 20 years going to be running these companies. Steve Ross, Harry Macklow, Kirk Corian died, Steve Wynn. These guys are all in their 80s. They've been around forever. And when you have a generation that's... And by the way, we've been talking about this for about 20 years, a generation mm-hmm. shifting from the founders to the... Mm-hmm. The risk is who comes after them is going to be more corporate. That's always a bad thing. Because then you go from having a guy with character who built big yeah. things Mm-hmm. To a guy who basically says, well, I can charge you 50 cents more. I, I was reading an article a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if I sent it to you, but I will send it to you now. Sometimes it takes new leadership to make a systematic right. changes. I think you look. So there are two things going on. Number one is I, I have an author who I want to see if he'll come on your podcast to write a book on econ- economics. Yes, yes. Uh, I emailed him. The other thing is, is I'm trying to arrange for... The guy who wrote this book, The Box, which is probably the best book I've read in the last five years. Whoa. I'm trying to get him to come on to NYU. Uh, and I'm working on that. If, if, if it works out, I'm going to send you an invitation. Hopefully it'll be. Yeah, I can join. That's Zoom. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if you're in New York, you should definitely come. But this book was about how the shipping container mm-hmm. changed the world. How did it change the world? They're very, they're a very big new thing now, shipping mm-hmm. container. But I'm talking about just w- like, what is a shipping? So okay. my grandfather is 97 years old. He lives in mm-hmm. California. He was born in the Bronx. His first car was a Chrysler. It was built in Detroit. Probably all the parts came from within a 30-mile area of the, of the factory. And the factory, I don't know what it is today. It's probably something else. But the, those old factories have been repurposed, so they're probably rotting in Detroit. But the, everything came from around there. His last car was a Honda Civic. I don't know if it was made in Japan or if it was made in the United States, but it was made with parts sourced from all over the world. His his house had dishwasher, washing machine, refrigerator, had appliances that were imported from all over the world, from China, from Vietnam, from like the shirt I'm wearing comes from Bangladesh. This hat, I don't even know where this hat comes from. This hat probably comes from- Thailand or I don't know. It's actually made in China. It's, it's a, he had- Stuff imported from all over the world, made in the United States, made in Germany, a Bosch dishwasher, a fridge from a particular region in Korea, an LG fridge. The shipping container made all that possible because Vegas was created by two things, the jet airplane and the air conditioner. Oh, yeah. And the air conditioner. Yeah. The car is important, but the car isn't going to bring millions of visitors in from 
from Hong Kong, from New York City. I'm not driving 20 hours to go to gamble in Las Vegas. I will drive from the airport to Las Vegas. But the shipping container enabled everything in your office to get where it is now. And I thought that was a very interesting book. It really changed how you think about the world and how it functions. It enabled countries to rise. On the other hand, it, it destroyed industries in New York. We used to have a garment center. We used to have a. We used to have all these different industries, like the garment center, the 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 the, 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 the radio row, which became the World Trade Center. We had Brooklyn had docks, where the Intrepid that was all docks. Now there's a dock that's like Fort Diller or, or Diller Island or whatever. All these different places have become. And there's a building, the Scarlet Lehigh Building. They used to have trains pull in. The train would delight the, the stuff that the Nabisco or whatever would put their biscuits. Now they're baked God knows where. But then Nabisco used to have a factory or make them in Connecticut or, or New York. Everything was done in New York. And that really, that just, it's called creative destruction for a reason. You know, it was just that those industries went away and were replaced by something else. The ships no longer dock in Manhattan or Brooklyn. Well, they do dock in Staten Island. They dock mainly in Port Newark and Port Elizabeth. Big cranes, and this is part of the reason, by the way, that there's that shipping crisis and everything, because you have there, there were shortages of ships, there were shortages of just backups, and you used to go there and you look at the out at sea and see twenty ships hanging out. But yeah, I, I think it's I think that's what's such an important thing. If you think about it, you got to think of what inventions, and when you teach your kids real estate investment, what's the next invention mm-hmm. going to be? Maybe the semiconductor. But the semiconductor has already been invented, but we're making it more small. We're making it able. Yeah. When I was a kid, I did not have an iPhone. Then I had a flip phone. And it was not a color flip phone. I missed my non-color flip phone. It was a life was much simpler. But yeah, you know, you talk about what how the world changed, you know. Yeah. Part of the genius of it is is that we don't know what's gonna be next. Yeah, a lot of things to talk about for the future of our industry and the future of our cities, our hometowns. So what's today's book about? Actually, it's a good, it's a good segue. And I've got about a half hour. So we could probably we could just chat about a few of the things here and then we can come back and do a follow-up or something. So this book was about and it got eaten by my sister's dog. So my sister Wait, got New mad. Kings of New York, we already covered that. Yeah, that was what we were covering today, wasn't it? No, we are covering the Caesars Entertainment Bankruptcy book. Were we? Yes. Okay, hold on, let me check. We, we already, we already did the New Kings of New York. And I remember how in that episode, I complained about why is there always books about the kings of real estate? What about the queens of real estate? Because and, they haven't come yet. That's the reason. So your job as a teacher is to make sure the queens come. So okay, this talk, coming I, Friday, let me let me emphasize this. This upcoming Friday, I have been working with AIA Las Vegas on this symposium called Woman Building Nevada. And we invited architects, planners, public policy professionals, construction development professionals, or female women who have been contributed or continue contributing their time, energy, effort of building our city. Step so, one, first annual Woman Building Nevada Symposium. The first big, one ever. That's a big step. So I thought we were doing New Kings in New York. Shows you what my my memory is not as good anymore. You're starting to sound like everybody I work with and everybody I'm related to. They're like, I told you this. I'm like, no, you didn't. Well, do you have another book that I want to cover? 
we could talk about we could talk, let's do let's talk for a half hour about the privatization of the Caesar's book. That book is truly an interesting book. Mm-hmm. But it's also one of the most complicated books you'll ever read. Yeah. It gets in. Did you read it? Nope. Are you going to read it? Nope. <laughs> Why not? Okay, I have the book. I flip on the first two pages. Bunch of corporate names. I mean, bunch of names, corporate people's names, so which what, I don't so, care. So, and I, I, I don't. Know you, well, I, I know you don't care, but you should. Now, why should you care? Let me ask you that. Okay. Yes. Yes. I'll, this book. I know a lot of people say it's a good book. It's. It's a complicated. It's book. a very you, complicated book about. If, if, if you're going to be teaching real estate, well, I think if you're going to be teaching real estate, it's something okay. you definitely need to read. So um, I, I cannot only talk about the legends who built Caesar's Palace. I also need to teach my students well, the bankruptcy well, look, and we, reform, we, 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 restructuring of the corporation. So, so let's well, let's back up a second and okay. let's do as an entree to this book. Let's talk about bankruptcy. What okay. is bankruptcy? Bankruptcy is when you can't meet your obligations. So you go to the court and you're basically saying, "Look, I can't meet my obligations." Now you got two. You got three ways, three things to do. I'm sorry. Yes. Why don't we talk about what happened before the bankruptcy? Why don't we talk about how Apollo overleveraged? Uh, we, we will, but we will, we will. I, I I just want to talk about bankruptcy for a second. Okay. Okay. So so what is bankruptcy? Bankruptcy is when you go to the court and you're basically saying, "Look, I can't meet my obligations." That's different than insolvency. Insolvency is is basically the status of I have all these debts, I have no I have no cash. That's insolvency. So we use the term bankrupt very loosely in society. Bankrupt does not mean bankrupt unless you're bankrupt. Now, who can go bankrupt? What, well, let's take one step further. Who gives you the right to go bankrupt? And by the way, this is one of the innovations of America that makes us so different than the rest of the world. In England, you go into something called administration. And it's a gigantic, it's very different. American companies do go into what's called chapter seven, but more likely it's chapter 11. And chapter, I, th- I think I, I'd have to look, but there are different chapters. There's a municipal ba- bankruptcy chapter. I think personal is chapter 13. Bankruptcy chapter, yeah, it's chapter 13. Chapter seven is, it's this chapter seven, there's chapter three. There are all these chapters in bankruptcy. Chapter 11 is is generally what these companies go into. Chapter 11 is a bank. Basically, you're taking a company and you're reorganizing it. So I, MGM, I'm just making these numbers up, owes how many tens of millions of dollars? By the way, did you know, did you know Viraj? No. Oh, yeah. He gave me this book. So that's probably, I saw him yesterday. So he's like, here, take this. Y'all want me to read this. That's probably why I got confused. So bankruptcy is basically a way to reorganize your company. Now, how do you end up in bankruptcy? You probably do something that we've talked about a lot. Now, what is that, Minja? Overleverage. Too much. Now, how do you deal with it? If it's a piece of real estate, the bank will foreclose on it, right? And the bank will take the pro- property over, or you can do the you can give them the keys and turn the property over. Them. Now, is that bankruptcy? No, that's not bankruptcy. Why did MGM go bankrupt? MGM is a giant company. Did they go bankrupt or it was Caesars? Caesars, Caesars, Caesars. Oh, come on, Jeremy. We cannot talk about misleading information in our Uh, podcast. We'll take that out. So why did Caesars go bankrupt? Because they borrowed too much money. 
Now, why didn't they just turn the keys over to the bank? Well, nobody wants to do that. Mm-hmm. Instead, what Caesars does is they they went through the workout process. And mm-hmm. you, you will learn about this a lot in real estate. Right. The workout, you, bankruptcy yeah. is the ultimate. Now, what happened? You know what this reminds me? I'm going to make this as a case study in my class for real That's... estate investment to teach, to, to at least inform the students all of these casinos on the strip, not only just the development history of the Las Vegas Strip, which I talked about it many times in my podcast, but also the finance engineering of these structures and these weeds and sell these back, sell these back transactions. This is a book about financial engineering. That's yeah. essentially a book about financial engineering. And it's a very, very complicated book. But effectively, what it's about, the insolvency, bankruptcy, and regeneration of this company, and how you unlock value from a company. And this is more common than people think. Do we experience right. this in real estate? Yeah, It usually doesn't get this far, because the, the companies usually have, have loans against each individual property. The biggest corporate blow up in real estate was probably Olympia and York. But Olympia and York, there were loans and loans. And so you got corporate loans. So a REIT will have a loan at the corporate level, usually. You know, most companies have loans at the property level, but they have you know, the company guarantees it. So it, it becomes a very complicated interlocking structure. So this book is about that process. Now, what happened? Everybody thought for decades, decades, decades. Casinos are a guaranteed good deal. Mm-hmm. You never lose money at a casino. Think mm-hmm. about it. If you're the bookmaker, do you ever lose money? No. If you're a good bookmaker, no. If you're a bad bookmaker, yes. Have you ever read The Godfather? No. Have you seen The Godfather? No. So you have to watch it one day. So there's a scene in The, in the Godfather book. There's also a TV show about the making of The Godfather. They don't get into it. Well, they kind of get into this, but not really in the TV show, but... So Don Corleone's daughter marries this loser. His name is Carlo. Uh And Carlo is actually from Vegas, but he's not very good at anything. And they set him up in a a book. And then nowadays, you you, you do this with FanDuel or whoever. Back then, you'd call your... I never did this, but you'd call... I don't gamble. I I, I used to buy individual stocks, but I stopped because I wasn't making any money. But you call your your, your bookie up, and you may you buy some stock or you, you may place a bet on a horse or back then it was probably baseball on the Giants. So he messed something up. And as a result, the shrewd gamblers, because remember, this is like these people are very good at what they do. He, did he mess the lines up? I, I can't understand it because mm-hmm. I don't gamble. But if you understand it, it's kind of like the stock market it created. A, it created a, a situation where you, you know, he couldn't lose. So he basically made it so that these guys could lose. <laughs> And I'm sorry, I, I have not slept the last at all. So he made a situation where he couldn't lose. Now, that makes him a bad bookie. Generally, casinos never went bankrupt. There was one casino developer who went bankrupt. That was again, we don't was need to of, we don't need to mention his name. We don't, but you know, podcast. again, again, it was because of it was because of over leverage. Mm-hmm. So, but what happened here was they overpaid, mm-hmm. and they overpaid at exactly the wrong time. The next year or the next month, however, whenever they bought it, the comp- the company just blew up because mm-hmm. the economy blew up. Look, do you? What's the first thing you cut out during a recession? 
gambling, unless you're an addict, is probably the first thing. Because yeah. you know, eating out, people, what do people cut out during a recession? They don't eat out. Right. They, they don't travel. Don't, they don't travel. They don't buy new clothes. They don't travel. Certainly gambling would fall, would come out ahead of those. Certainly traveling to gamble would fall ahead of those. And Las Vegas so, had both. Gambling and has, traveling. Well, Las Vegas has is worse because it's not gambling and traveling. It's traveling to gamble. So it's the whole lot of it. Vacation. And, shows. and well, that's the brilliance of Las Vegas, by the way. Because it used to be you just traveled to gamble. Now you're traveling to go to shows instead of gambling. I, I know people who've gone to Vegas who haven't stepped foot in the casino and they have a grand old time. They go out to dinner, they do. And this was all done because they knew that gambling was something like I'm, I don't gamble. You don't gamble. Mm-hmm. So why are we going to go hang out at the casinos? So they invent something like shows. Yeah. I saw the Soleil. John Legend show last month. And those shows, by the way, are making oodles of money for everybody. Amazing. When in, in the, in the golden age, Frank Sinatra. Oh, yes. The Rat Pack. Just, just Yeah. So Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack would hang out there. But yeah. you know, they could get away with that because he was Frank Sinatra. He was the greatest entertainer. Yes. And actually, there is a book you should read about Frank Sinatra. I've read both of them. It's a two-volume biography. It's about that thick, but you'll love it. Every time when Jeremy says, oh, it's a very quick read, and then he showed me how thick that book is. You have a different standard of how thin or thick a book is than my typical Sinatra all or nothing. You've never seen, you've never heard of Sinatra. I think, I think I have heard of it, but I never have to watch Sinatra all or nothing. You can rent it. It's four hours. Oh, that sounds so long. (laughs) Yeah, but it's got, this is what my schedule looks like. Jeremy, look, I'm traveling to Chicago and I'm in New York. I will be in New York for when are you in New York? October 13th for Shaq's Women in Real Estate Symposium, which I go there every year. But let me know. I will. Try. I think I'm around that week, that month. Yeah. When there are Jewish holidays. There are Jewish October holidays. October 13th? When is Yom Kippur? Why don't you double uh, check on the date? And then I'll be at ULI's fall meeting in Dallas, the end of October. I want to go to the ULI annual meeting. I am a part of, what am I a part of? I am a part of... ULI New York has a lot of members. ULI New York has two. It's, it's, the problem is with ULI New York is that there are too many members, so it's very hard to get ahead. Mm-hmm. So I am a member of the Urban Plan. That's oh, the I Urban. Want. I just found out that the 2024... ULI fall meeting. It's in Las Vegas. If I go to Vegas, I'm staying in a, in in Wynn or yes, uh, exactly. Or one of the nice ones, but yes. I mean, resorts world's fine. I mean, it's just look. There's no need for me for anybody to go to Vegas and stay in a hotel that they could stay in down the block. But anyway, that's what you get when you have the REITs moving in. You get them building cookie cutter hotels, and Genting should know better, but whatever. So anyway, look, everybody should be involved in ULI. But basically, these guys overlever. Right. And when you overlever, and this is a warm-up, I have to, I will go back and read the book this week. I'll make notes on what we have. Okay, to I'm going to read the book too. I promise. You should read the book because this yes. is something that's very important, I think. I think I need to read the book and use it's, it as it's, a case it's, study. It's, it's, you know what? It's a very complicated book. I actually spoke to a professor from NYU and I recommended it 
And he said, that book sounds like it's, it's a big, it's a big, big lift. And I said, you're right. It's a big lift, but it's worth it because it gets, it gets into the weeds of bankruptcy. And, you know, but the thing is, is what you have to, what's more important is to understand what these guys did, how they messed up and the consequences of that. Yeah. And basically there's an ancient saying when you, if I owe the bank a million dollars, the bank owns me. I owe the bank a billion dollars. I own the bank. Now, why do you understand the saying? For the listeners or for people who, you know, basically at some point you become too big to fail. Yeah. And when you've got all these bonds out there and there are multiple layers of bonds, nobody can afford to let that company fail. Everybody's striving to get the maximum value out of it. And yes. the other thing is, is there are fees upon fees upon fees upon fees. Everybody's yes. making a fortune off of this especially the lawyers. I missed my calling. I should have been a bankruptcy lawyer. They, those guys do incredibly. Yes. Too Big to Fail. We haven't covered that book yet. I have that book. I have to find it. Too Big to Fail, but we, we should definitely do. It's been a while since I read that book, but I could do that out of memory. But before we do that, you have to watch the movie on HBO. Okay. It's two hours. It's actually a very entertaining movie. You, I, I Trust me, it's two hours. It's a good movie. And basically what it talks, so, all right, so let's back up. Just as the, as the entree to all of this stuff about the talk of the Great Recession, what was the Great Recession or the Great Financial Crisis, whatever, whatever the name you want to call it? Mm-hmm. Basically, during the 2000s, they made a decision to lend money out and they, they significantly loosened the loans. And you saw this when you read or watched the greatest trade ever mm-hmm. or the other movie with the, about Michael Brewery, where I don't remember the name of it because my mind is starting to fail. I'm starting to have these collapses every so often with these guys. Well, two things. So in, in 2000, in the 2000s, there was a run on everything. And, and by the way, we've seen this so many times before. Harry Mackle goes out and borrows $9 billion to buy 13 office buildings in the middle of Manhattan. He's got a year to pay the loans back or it blows up. What happens? He can't get, he can't refinance. Why? The market crashed. So what happens? He's over leveraged. And the value has gone down by 10, 15, 20%. But putting it in personal terms, you buy a house, the value of the house goes down, you lose your job or the interest rate goes up because they had all these tricks to allow people to buy more. You could mm-hmm. borrow at 130%. You could borrow at 120%. Mm-hmm. You can borrow, you can do all these different things. And at the end of the day, your income goes, let's say my income goes up or down, payment goes up, or I borrowed money that, oh, the, the, the houses are always going to increase, always going to increase. Don't worry, Jeremy. You're, something happens and, the, and you can't refinance after a year or three. What happened to Macro is not nothing different than what happened to the guys, the guy in Vegas who bought a house he couldn't afford. It's just mm-hmm. happening on a scale that's a thousand times worse. And if you think about it, that's a scary thought. A, a billionaire industrialist can screw up in a way that a guy who isn't is barely making ends meet and is given a loan by a by by a mortgage company that shouldn't do it. It could bring down the economy. If you think about it, that's a scary thought, but it happened, and it happened, and this has happened repeatedly. Uh, we're probably entering a recession or we're at risk of a recession right now. This is a different kind of recession. This recession is driven by several things. It's driven by too much demand, too little supply, 
and a gas pipeline in Russia. So it's a different kind of recession. Mm-hmm. But the, the last, that recession was a real estate recession. There was too much money sloshing around in American real estate. And it blew up. And by the way, we've seen this. Well, what's happening now in China with all these developers is a different thing. I think there they're just over leveraged and they over promise and they don't have the money to make it happen. Within America, eventually the economy overheated and the Fed raised rates because they had to, like they're doing now, and the market just blew up. And you started seeing it. I remember this. You started seeing hedge funds, bank, bank-related prop banks declaring huge write-downs, and it started getting worse and worse. And you just knew it was going to get bad. And then Bear Stearns went bust. Bear Stearns, I, your listeners probably don't remember this, but there used to be five investment banks, Goldman, Morgan, Merrill, Bear, and Lehman. How many of those are left? Goldman and Morgan Stanley. Merrill Lynch sold itself to, in during this controversial week, they sold themselves to Bank of America because Bank of America has a huge deposit base. So they, they weren't going anywhere. Morgan Stanley required a government bailout. They all did. Goldman Sachs required a government bailout. Lehman Brothers declared bankruptcy. Bear Stearns was effectively declared, was effectively insolvent. It could not, it could not get, the way that an investment bank worked was it borrowed in the repo market, the overnight loans to fund their operations. And basically they couldn't get any money. So they were basically either going to go bankrupt or they were going to sell themselves. And they sold themselves for $2 a share, later increased to 10. But this was a company that was worth trading at 130 a couple months before. They it wiped out millions of billions of dollars. Hundreds of people lost fortunes. The people who lost their work, they lost their life savings. People were millionaires one day and were effectively insolvent the next. It was horrible. And Lehman Brothers, they went out and they tried to raise capital. And this is all covered in Too Big to Fail. They went to Korea. They tried to raise capital. And there's actually a very good depiction of it in the movie where Dick Fold is basically trying to get more money. He doesn't want to sell, money, sell himself to the Koreans, but he kind of has to. He sabotages it. On the other hand, Morgan Stanley, they are very quick to get an inve- a big investment from the Japanese, from, yeah. from MUFA, Mitsubishi Bank of Tokyo, Mitsubishi, whatever they call it. And there's a funny story in the book, the Japanese come like with a check uh, and you know, they're, they're ready. They think this is like a big deal. We're going to, you know, here's the check. We're going to have a ceremony. We're buying a piece of Morgan Stanley. And they're like, just give us the money and leave. You know, <laughs> We just need your money. Goldman Sachs, and again, this is covered in the movie, Goldman Sachs has to take a huge investment from Warren Buffett, a preferred return. And Merrill, of course, sells itself to Bank of America. So what happens to these guys in Vegas? They're over leveraged, their revenue drops, and they effectively they're insolvent. So they're behind the eight ball from day one. And what's the book about? The book is about how they're trying to work out, how they're trying to get themselves out of this hole. Do they get themselves out of this hole? I guess they're still around. Yeah. But a lot of people lost money. Mm-hmm. The companies are not the same. And there was right. a lot of financial engineering. And the book is about the financial engineering that right. takes the companies that took this company out of effectively insolvency. Well, 54th minute into the podcast recording, we finally talked about what this book is about. This book is Caesars. about this book is about a bankruptcy. And it's a bankrupt. Bankruptcy exists for a reason. It is not pretty. It's mm-hmm. not nice. 
And when you're in the commercial real estate world, we sit around and we talk about very flippant, oh, Macro went bust, he had to turn over. You know what? There are real consequences. And forget, Macro is a real estate developer. So who's really being impacted by Harry Macro selling his buildings? Three people, really. Harry Macro, his creditor, and that's basically it, right? And the buyer. Yeah. Right? Harry Macro does not employ tens of thousands of people. Right. MGM. Caesars. Impl- Caesars. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Harry Macro does not employ tens of thousands of people. Caesars employs a lot of people. Tens of thousands of people. That's a really good point. It's the key point, I think. When you're talking about a big company like, like Caesars, let's say company A goes mm-hmm. bankrupt. Mm-hmm. It imp- who does it impact? If we're real, if we're the, if we're if we're Minjaco, mm-hmm. Minjaco goes bankrupt. Who does that impact? Minja, the shareholders, mm-hmm. and that's basically it. Mm-hmm. And what's going on in China with Evergrande is 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 right. more like Caesars, because there you have people who owe the houses, like they actually owe you a ha- I, I owe you a house, and I'm holding your money. A company like Lehman going broke it, it, it impacted tens of thousands of people, yeah. millions indirectly. With with Macro having his problems, like we talked about in liars, but really impact it doesn't impact the tenants. If I'm a tenant, if I'm Wild Gottschall, who is the biggest tenant in the GM building, do I really care who I pay my rent to? I mean, no. do you know who you pay your rent to, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, I pay my I paid my rent to a company in a lockbox in New Jersey, and you know, I didn't care if the company if the business was sold. Like my, uh, if I have a mortgage, I don't care if I'm paying Wells Fargo, uh, CLO eight three six two one three based in the Virgin Islands or whatever. I I don't care. As long as the service isn't garbage. But when Caesars went bankrupt, yeah. tens of thousands of people were impacted. Who was impacted? The bondholders. Right. People who loan the money. The pension funds that loan the money, that loan these people money. But those are not direct impacts. And those at some point when you're in a, investing in a bond, there's a risk. But if I'm a croupier, or if I'm probably mispronouncing, if I'm a blackjack dealer, or I'm a maid, or I'm the checking guy, or I'm a chauffeur. I'm a pilot piloting this jet that takes Caesar's whales from, mm-hmm. from Tokyo and Hong Kong to Las Vegas. If I'm, I'm directly impacted because they may say, well, you know what? Our revenue is down by 20%. We need 20,000 less employees. We saw this two years ago. They just yeah. laid everybody off. They brought them back eventually. But in the meantime, I don't have a job. You know, right. I've got my mortgage to pay. Holy shit. You know, my house just went into foreclosure mm-hmm. and they're all in Vegas. Well, not all, but many of them are in Vegas, mm-hmm. which means Vegas was even, it, it just made it even worse for Vegas. Now, why does Vegas care? Well, what, number one, this is the biggest employer in town. Number two, this yeah. is the biggest taxpayer in town. Number three, this is a company that has been a part of your city for thousands, since the, since the city was founded, there has, well, not since the city was founded, since the company has been created, Caesar's entertainment or its predecessor harris mm-hmm. or caesars has been a major part of your city mm-hmm. and if they start laying people off this is a big problem i've got your know, unemployment rate in vegas got killed during the recession their unemployment rate was well above the national average mm-hmm. i don't know what it is today but i, I you know, it's hospitality we're single digit but it's slightly above 
just slightly above what's in you, the national you know average, what? but during single the single digit could be nine, single yeah, digit could be three. Could be sing, yes, if, if, if it's, I it's, will double check back in time matter. during during 2020, the pandemic, the worst time, April April 2020, when the lockdown happened, it was 34 something percent. Let's let's take a second and think about one third of the working age people who are looking for jobs. Now, I was not employed during the, the pandemic. But I did not count because I was not looking for a job. I was safely enrolled in school. And by the way, the, un- the true unemployment rate is a lot more than what you think it is because it's... Just get a rough idea. Just, yeah. It was just not direct. It, it was, was these companies on the strip. It's not just about the employees. It's all... And they, it's also about all of the supporting services, the service providers, oh, the accounting absolutely. firm, the law firm, the food supply chain, the real estate company, the real estate company that's renting apartments to these to these individuals, the pool company that's cleaning the swimming pool because everybody needs a swimming pool. Yeah, the landscaping. So every er, about sixty percent of our local economy is direct and indirect depending on the Las Vegas Strip. And yes. that's why after the 2008 global financial crisis, our state created a econ- economic development arm or sector and trying to diversify our economy. So and, and we did. don't. And it did. But you know, the problem, and we saw this again 10 years, 12 years later after, after 2008, you know, if you went from 80 to 60, that's a huge improvement. But you, know, you still have 30% of the people, one third of the working age people in the Valley were unemployed. I, I mean, this is awful. So why do we care about MGM getting going, not MGM, why do we care about Caesars going into financial crisis? Because A, it impacted everybody. B, it impacted your city more than anything else. A lot of people lost a lot of money. What this company did to survive created new structures and that fundamentally changed the gaming industry. This, this separating the Opco and Propco, and they did all kinds of crazy financial maneuvers, mm-hmm. which changed the industry. And we will go into those next time because they get very, very complicated. Complicated. Okay, but, now I have to read the book. You, you know what? I think the book is something that, why do we care? Because number one, this is your house. This is your area. Number two, I think we need to, I, I, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but you know what? This is a lot more than a company, than a, a real estate developer going bankrupt. This was this was a company that, that tens of thousands of people depend on for their livelihoods right. going bankrupt. And you know what? As a real estate owner, a real estate operator, a real estate developer, you know, we care about that because mm-hmm. the impacts cascade. Yeah. And, and is Caesars... Good now, or are they going into another? My understanding is is that they've kind of revitalized the company. They've they've changed it a lot. They shed some debts. Uh, they've exited bankruptcy. But this this litigation costs. I mean, the other thing is the other thing to remember is when you go through litigation like this, it's going to cost you a billion dollars. Yeah. I mean, and, and by the way, lawyers always make sure they get paid before mm-hmm. everybody else. Right. So. Is is this a process you want to go through? Most people will do anything to avoid this process because it's so freaking miserable. I mean, if yeah. you go through litigation like this, I mean, I don't know if you've ever experienced litigation. It is the worst. It is like there is nothing, absolutely nothing in the world worse than going through litigation. And 
I'm sorry. I think my question, my question was more towards where the industry is going to, and then they acquired by Aldorado. I keep calling the avocado for whatever reason, well, but then yeah, the, the guy other... behind that merger, you know who I'm talking about, right? Uh, who? Oh, yeah. Well, we're not going to talk about that guy. Okay. We'll get, we'll get ourselves in trouble if we talk about that. Guy. So, so I'm just I don't know where where is Caesar's going, and I'm not a finance finance genius. I'm just looking at more of the future of where Las Vegas is going to, and well, yeah, I well, I think the only comment I want to say is I do miss old Vegas. I miss the time when Vegas was not controlled by a bunch of people who sit in their New York office. Well, it was always controlled by people who sat in their offices somewhere through their lenders or whatever. But I think the point you're making is well taken. This shows the dangers of financialization, and and it went it financialized, and the danger. What happened after this buyout was not good for anybody. It was not good for Apollo. It was not good for Apollo's investors. It was not good for anybody because. You don't want to go through this process, and what they overpaid, they spent money on litigation. There were write downs. There was bankruptcy. What's that mean? That means that money that could have gone into building new properties or maintaining properties was basically sucked out of the company. And does the company survive? Yeah, but does this? What good does this do anybody? During the pandemic, there are four company, major companies on the strip. During the pandemic. Two of them laid off probably ninety percent of their employees in during the lockdown, and then the other two, they did not lay off their employees and they kept paying full salary and benefits to both part-time and full-time employees. The two who laid off ninety percent of the employees were Caesars and MGM. The other two who did not lay off the employees were Win and Sands. Because well, the people who are behind Win and Sense are Las Vegas people. They're their hometown companies, and look, they know what the consequences of of doing this are. And by the way, people forget this too. When you lay somebody off, you're also taking a big risk. So let's say your company lays you off. God forbid. We'll hire you back in four months. What do you? What's the first thing you do after you get laid off? You go and look for another job. So the big risk that we these companies always have with layoffs. Is you, know, you might think that you know you could be hired, they'll be gone. Yeah. yeah. Or they'll find something else. They'll do something else. So that was a big risk that 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 the out of town big conglomerates took because there's no guarantee that those people are going to be around. They might do something else. They might move. They might move back to to mom and dad in Ohio. There's a, the consequences you make of these decisions are huge. All right. Every so, time we cover a story about these corporations on the strip, I always worry about the future of where our city is going. Especially after a lot of those sell lease back transaction has been happening. I, I believe that was invented during this during this bankruptcy yeah. as a way to extract value from these. Yes, companies. like since four years ago, I ju- I just feel like Vegas is not what it used to be anymore, and. Well, the question is, it, it, it's 
do have they impacted the city's ability to compete? Because the city is no longer competing. In, do they well, even com- care about Las Vegas anymore? If you look at or, where or Caesars and MGM, Macau. look at where Caesars and MGM expanding. And do you think they even care about Las, the Las Vegas market? I think they, they care in- about it as their biggest market. But I think gambling is spreading throughout America. Gambling is frankly spreading throughout the world. And the growth area is in the Far East, in, in the yes. Pacific Rim. But what does that mean for Vegas? That means that your average, it's a lot cheaper and easier to fly to Macau than it is to fly to Las Vegas. But there's still plenty of, of, of domestic and, and, and European demand for Vegas. So it might not be the Asian market is China's, what, four times the size of the United States population-wise, three times Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a bigger market, but the, our market is nothing to sneeze at. It's a wealthier market. It's, it's you know, people have more income to spend. Granted, I think certain other areas may spend more money on gambling than we do. Like, I mean, but I mean, that's just how you allocate your money. But I think there's always opportunity because you see corporate organizations doing stupid things like taking on too much debt and going mm-hmm. bankrupt. That doesn't help you. What that does is that opens up a, 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 a lane for some of the younger who's got new capital behind them to come up. And by the way, getting back to what you were talking about, about DEI before, what's the real strength that somebody like you brings to the table? Ideas, energy, and a different perspective. So that some people doing dumb things, and this probably can't survive into the podcast, but people doing dumb things like these guys did creates a lane for younger people. They may not, they may be, they may be Jewish, they may be whatever, but they'll have different ideas and different perspectives. So I, I do think that's, yes. I have a lot of comments to add on that. Before positive, we continue, or ne- pos- positive or uh, negative? I don't know. L- let's see. Well, the first, the first thing I wanted to add on that is, the Vegas market is still huge in there, or maybe not as huge as it used to be in these it's, it's, it's gig- what? But the Vegas market is still gigantic, but there's but, a bigger market somewhere else. But I, I just want to point out that they will maintain whatever they have currently Abs- in the absolutely. Las Vegas market, but absolutely. they won't be innovative and come up with something new and exciting. Well, I think it could. I think it could. I, I think I think the growth is probably in local markets as opposed to in Las Vegas right now. But that's a that's a distinction of. of I mean, I think that could change too. The only innovative thing came up with in the past ten years was parking fee. Besides that, what okay, else? Once, have you, they, whoa, whoa. once what? you start, once you start nickel and diming people with a parking fee, that does not tell me very good. Yeah, this that's once you start nickel. That's your biggest innovation. That, what, that else have they de- what else have they de- have they done in the Las Vegas market? That was that well, was know, like the Minji, you know how the market, you know the market is still a, a, a viable growth market? Right. How Genting, an Asian company, which makes oodles of money in Asia, has spent yeah. four billion dollars building a hotel in Vegas. They made that decision back in 20. 20- 13-ish when they bought the land, but unfortunately, they picked the wrong CEO and the wrong architect. That, that's that's absolutely correct, but that's besides the point. The fact is, is that for eight years or 10 years, they've seen fit to pour billions of dollars into the city, which tells you that they see Vegas as a strong market. So I, I think their execution may suck, 
Yeah, we we are a strong market. I believe in the future yeah. of Las Vegas. I just don't I, I believe in right. the leadership in some of those corporations. Well, I, th- I, just I think they've, th- but I think you have to distinguish between the bad decisions they've made in execution, and and the bet that they've placed on Vegas. They okay. placed the bet on Vegas. Did you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. If they think it's a strong market that's continued to grow. Now, the fact that they put a bunch of nincompoops in charge—that's a different story entirely. Yeah, yeah. That's that's something else. And same, it's same idea in commercial real estate, in real estate development. The future, the fundamental of how our city is always envisioning itself and adapting to new changes and technologies and ideas. But it's the incompetent people in the leadership position. And some of them, I just don't think that they can lead our industry in our city in the next 10 years. And that's why I wanted to teach because I understand how important it is to bring in young but blood, new ideas, blood, especially new, and new perspective. Yes, especially people who come from different backgrounds and have yes. different perspectives yeah. and bring their their ideas and mindsets to the table. That's what I was saying. You need that because you, you know, if you graduate MBAs from Harvard and Wharton, you're gonna get the same. Oh yeah, let's create more, unlock more value. We'll sell the land to this one. Next thing you know, they'll sell the parking concession to that one. Next thing yeah. you know, they'll sell the slot machine to that yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at the end of the day, say what you want about Genting. They own the, they own they they have made a huge investment in the yes. city. Yes. And hired a lot of people and they opened up that hotel and hired thousands of employees during the pandemic. May not be um, a very good hotel, but that's different. But story. that's a different story. Okay. The second comment I want to add to what you said earlier is you, you remember you say how some of the people, they make dumb mistakes and then it was an opportunity for young people to come in. Yes. What about the people we talked about in the book, New Kings of New York? How many mistakes those developers made? And did I do you remember the comment I made in that episode i say when those people fell they always fell upward because when they filed b- bankruptcy of one development project they always built a taller and bigger project in their next well, project well, well, what do they where are the newcomers where that, are the well, hold on what okay. do you think made those guys different than mg than than, than caesars They're, they learned from their mistakes kirk Corey and steve Wynn, they made mistakes but they failed upwards because they learned. And Win at the end of his career, was able to build the Mirage. Yeah, that's not a failure. Yes. That way, he built the Win. Do you think the guy? Okay, the guy who introduced the parking fee. Do you think he learned anything productive no. from introducing a parking? Okay, fee? that's a good point. So, so, so the guys in it's the a book, different the kind new- of mistake. Okay, it's a mistake. It's a mistake. If I make a mistake, if I build a beautiful building. I develop a beautiful building and it fails. Uh-huh. That's an uh, yeah, that's fine. Whatever it happens. But if I fail via financial engineering, what do you think of a comp? Which what which do you think is more of a? Do you think a mistake like a a, a win mistake versus a, a Caesar's mistake? Which one do you think is more productive? The win mistake. Yeah, because at least you a did something. B you learned something. With MG, not MG, with Caesars, actually with Caesars and MGM, you know, one went bankrupt, one didn't. But they basically they they're they're operating companies that sold their land, their corporate behemoths. They're they're they're, they're about the same. If if Dubai didn't save the city center project in two thousand eight, MGM would have been bankrupt as well. But those guys are corporate. Like with the, the mistakes those guys made are different than the mistakes that Win made because Win's mistakes were of you know, he was he had it wasn't the he wasn't a financial engineer. 
That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, let's let's talk about how that's the difference between corporation and entrepreneur, and it was not just Win, but all of the developers that are in the book. The new and by the by the way, there's there's nothing wrong with financial engineering, but you know what? At the end of the day, you have to remember, I'm not just financial engineering. When you're financial engineering for the sake of financial engineering, yeah. that's where you run into trouble. And a lot of these corporations, the guys who make that mistake, they either become the executive or they get laid off, and then the new guys will come in and make the same mistake. Or they just stay. Like uh, at Apollo, it was the same guys. Nobody was laid off. Nobody. None of those guys. They just kept bailing themselves out by doing other mistakes and charging fees. And when during this, and you'll read this in the book, these guys charge billions of dollars in fees and management fees to their investors, to the companies. What value did that generate? Hurt a lot of people in your city. And can we say about talk about that for real estate private equity firm that charges fees? So what we value do talk. they create? Well, that's a different story entirely. When you're a real estate private equity firm and you're charging fees, basically, or or let's talk about syndicators instead of real estate. But, the, but that's how you make money. You're making money by that. But can that, I say Apollo did the same thing to make money? I would argue. I'm not that, arguing with you. I'm just you're not. You're not arguing. I just want to make sure our audience understands that we are not creating double standards. Of- we're not creating a double standard because if you're a real estate private equity person, and hopefully you're not going bankrupt, if you, if you if you if you're charging an insolvent company billions of dollars, millions of dollars in fees, if I'm an investor, I'm not going to be very happy. It's interesting because these guys. If I'm an investor, I've made millions of dollars with these people. Mm-hmm. Yes, Tishman Speyer lost when when they lost the Stuy Town development, they lost billions of dollars in equity from mm-hmm. the Church of England, from Cowper's, from all these yep. companies. Mm-hmm. But people still invest with them because they handled it right. And B, they'd made money before. And look, when you're in this business long enough, you're gonna have a, a blow. It's inevitable. The market's just gonna change out from under you. And a recession's gonna hit, rates are gonna go up, and you're just not gonna. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong, you know, failing is, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, look, we've both failed plenty in our lives. I could speak for myself, mm-hmm. but when you're dealing with other people's money, mm-hmm. you have to remember, it's not your money. If I, mm-hmm. if I want to blow my money on a trip to Vegas, that's fine. Don't take investors' money and go to the, the proverbial roulette wheel. Look, I mean, I waste plenty of money, as do you. We mm-hmm. all do, because mm-hmm. none of us are saints when it comes to managing money, but this is other people's money. And I think you have to remember, you owe them what they call a fiduciary duty. Yeah. But you have to be careful. This isn't your money. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's, let's do this again in a couple stop. of weeks. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to contact my uncle and see if he can come on your show. He actually said he would. So I will email him and I will email you later today if that's okay. So but he yeah, can come on. Fine. So he wrote a book. It's basically, uh, I sent you the link, right? Uh, yes. So it's basically like he tried to make a book about like basic economics. Basic economics is something very few people actually understand. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're in the, ch- you're in the shock chat. They're always talking about, oh, rents are going to go up for, e-. no, they're not. And yet what I want to show people is this is why rents do not go up forever. They're why? always. Hmm? When is your uncle publishing the book? What day? It comes out in the 15th. This month? Yeah, so let's plan for a couple weeks. I have to review that book and write discussion points again. 
Okay. It's yeah. you know, it's a good book. It's the kind of book that you need to abstract. Yeah, and take notes. Did you check your hair? No, it's still this long. Oh. I haven't cut my hair this year. Real? Yeah, I think it's just the the height of the table. It's a little bit lower, so it looks like. Oh, yeah, it looks good. Thank you, as always. <laughs> you know what? Listen, being it's hard being on TV. It's hard. That's why I have a newspaper, not a TV show. Yeah, but the goal is to be on television. <laughs> Look, so the goal yeah. is for you, your goal is not to be an Instagram personality. Your mm, goal is yeah. to be a big time real estate developer who has a TV show or something, or has it, or has a YouTube channel. No, I don't want to have a TV show or, or YouTube channel. I want to be. I want to have a media business. Do you want to still do real estate or? Yes. Yes. I want real estate and media. You know what? Everything in life is about synergy. You got to figure yes. out how to synergize everything, and you yeah, figured out how to how to synergize. Oh crap! All right, I gotta go. My uncle's okay. here. All Sorry. Right, bye.